Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SIRS Group Podcast. I am Barbara. And I'm JC. And today we are talking about the genie test. Ooh, genie test. And no, this isn't going to grant you some wishes. I wonder why. I mean, I know that genie stands for something. So that's why it's called the genie. But like, that's what they went with. <laughs> I can't type on this keyboard. I'm look oh, it up. No. <laughs> Introduce what it is. I'll find out. Okay. So the genie test is a, um, wow, I just Googled genie like, at, like absent-mindedly as I'm talking and like clearly genie alone is not going to bring it up. It's oh. genomic expression inflammation explained. Wow. So some nerds came up with that name, but there you I'm go. I'm not sure what, like the N and I are flipped though, because it's like genomic G expression E inflammation, which is I N, but they've flipped into N I. Maybe it's like, it's like um, typology where it's like, it's N for intuition. Right. <laughs> and you're like, that's not, but okay. That's not intuitive, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and BTI man. jokes. Yep. This is what I came here for. <laughs> this is funny to exactly two people. Um, okay. And they're us. <laughs> okay. All right. So... <laughs> So the genie test is an expensive test that is not covered by insurance uh, that I'm aware of. I haven't tried. Let me know if you have. Um, but it's uh, it is a test that has a couple good uses if you time it correctly, and those uses can give you some extra data in your journey for understanding what the heck kind of SIRS that you have, the flavor of SIRS that you have. Um, but before we continue, we need to give a disclaimer that JC and I are not medical professionals in any way. We are just patients, just like you probably. And, uh, but we have read the textbook and we have, <laughs> we have, uh, done a lot of research, JC more than me, uh, but we've done a lot of, uh, looking into all of this stuff. And so we are here to give you a, uh, for patients, by patients, information, uh, and, and our own experience with all of this stuff. That's definitely what I'm going to lean into today, my experience with the Genie test. Um, and so do not take any of this as medical advice. So um, with that said, uh, I know I gave my great intro to the Genie that was so explanatory. Would you, <laughs> would you like to take a crack at it as well? <laughs> yeah, so the Genie is really great for showing you genetic expression. So one of the things we know about SIRS is that the chronic inflammation puts so much pressure on your transcriptome, it actually changes how your genes express. And I know that this is really topical in a lot of like holistic wellness fields right now. Um, it's super helpful because it, it can show you how SIRS is impacting those genes. There are a couple caveats with that. One is some people think that the genie can show them what their, it shows what your current biotoxin exposure is. However, we're still discovering biotoxins. And so it could be that, you know, something is highlighted and that's not, that's still not the only biotoxin you're dealing with. Um, so it's not super definitive, I would say it's more of indicative. Um, and so you mentioned that this is great for two different 
scenarios. One is if you have the money to do the genie at the start of your surge treatment, the really cool thing you can do is take it at the beginning and take it at the ending. And you can see how your genetic expression changes over time, which like, gosh, I wish I had done that. Like, yes. Um, and then the second thing is if you hit a plateau in your surge journey, if you have addressed, you know, what you think is the problem being remediating your home or moving out of a space, um, the genie can help show you after the backing up. If you think you're out of exposure and you're still not feeling well, the genie can give you more insight into what you're actually reacting to. Um, and so in that case, I think a good third use for this would be like, if you are showing that you are responding to, sorry, I'm trying to clarify this thought as I'm having it actively, mm -hmm. a third good use for the genie would be like, if you're thinking about remediating your home and you take the genie, you might find out that you're not actually reacting to mycotoxins at all. So if, you know, if you're looking at how much is this test, sorry to. No, it's fine. Under. So. The, I, I feel like I can't give an, a straight answer on that. The, the short answer is this test is $750 currently at the time of recording in November of 2023. Um, but you also have to ship it with dry ice. That's like a, a overnight. So that's like a $200 shipping fee. So now you're about at $1,000. And for me, every practitioner is different. But the time it took my practitioner to go through the test and reinterpret it for me and then also meet with me and explain it to me was another thousand dollars. So it was it ended up being a two thousand dollar test for me. Got it. If I was looking at like a 50K remediation of my home, I might do this first just to make sure I needed to invest that money into that remediation. Um, so those are like the three scenarios. I think the genie makes a lot of sense. At the beginning and end, if you can afford it, um, if you stall and just need more information to work off of to help direct your treatment, and then three, if you're looking at making a significant financial investment like that, I would double check, man. Because mm -hmm. it's interesting, but my understanding of the genie is that it is, just like any other blood work, a snapshot in time. And that time, at, for example, my practitioner told me before I took it, to try not to go anywhere other than my normal places that week leading up to the blood draw. And my normal places is really just home because I work from home. So for, for you, if for the person listening, if you go to work, then continue working at your job and, and come home. And so your genie results will reflect probably both of those locations. And maybe it would be hard to uh, differentiate it. If you really wanted to test your home, maybe you would just stay home, ask to work from home that week, for example. Um, but the reason that that's important is it's almost like, in a way, testing your home for all of the biotoxins because the test results will show you what you're reacting to, specifically whether it is the mold, the mycotoxins, or the actinos, or the endotoxins or maybe something else It does go into a couple other potential biotoxins as well. So um, that's where the genie will give you some information on your current environment. And it almost in a way, not really, but it almost takes the place of like, you know, a home test. It doesn't by the way, I, but it almost does in the sense that for example, using myself as an example, 
the only thing that came up on my genie was endotoxins. So now I am testing my home specifically for endotoxins, which I never had done before. Um, but that gave me the information to zero in on endotoxins rather than to JC's point earlier, wasting time potentially, you know, cleaning out the HVAC system for mold and like, you know, doing things like that, which may still be needed. But at least at this point, I know that endotoxin is really the thing that's up in the air that I may or may not be um, experiencing here in my house or probably are. So the other, I'm not going to say issue, but the other hard part of the genie for me is that it is new, newer, um, and it is interpreted anonymously (laughs) by Dr. Richie Shoemaker of Shoemaker Protocol fame. Um, And you also, as you mentioned, some of the providers will have you, you know, further pay for interpretation. You can also pay to have Dr. Shoemaker interpret the results directly to you. And so for me, it's a little weird that this thing is being interpreted by Dr. Shoemaker, but then you have to have someone explain that interpretation to you. And it doesn't seem like the interpretations are consistent across the board from what I've heard from different SERS providers. So I kind of question, like for me, I would almost pay for Dr. Shoemaker to interpret it to me just so I could make sure I was getting that information from the source. Um, He worked very closely with Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Bryan, who was the He's the bioscientist who actually created the genie. We got to meet him at SIRS X. He's a very lovely human. Um, but that that's kind of like the route that I would go if I did do the genie. I just wanted to mention that because that's that's been something that's kind of, it bothers me about the genie is that you do have to have it secondarily interpreted. And those interpretations, as far as I have seen, are not necessarily consistent between providers. Yeah, it's it gives you a little mountain we'll call it, of data about yourself. And it is up to the practitioner to catch all the details of that and explore those rabbit holes with you or determine those rabbit holes are not worth exploring. Um, so that's where the variations can come in. And we have seen some people in the the, the SERS group who have gotten the genie and Um, what I would have thought would have been interesting information that they got on their genie, their practitioner didn't really explore further with them. So again, that's where, I mean, you can always get the second opinion and it is nice that you can go to the genie website, the, and and we'll, we'll have this link in the show notes, uh, but you can go through them to schedule that session with Dr. Shoemaker himself. If you want that like extra layer of, I mean, that you can't get a better second opinion than that. Um, just kind of reassuring you of what your practitioner has said and making sure of what Dr. Shoemaker saw when he was looking through your results. And one interesting thing we heard at SIRS-X was that Genie provides detail, whereas the NeuroQuant, which is the MRI brain scan that shows you volumetric changes in your brain, we did an episode about that if you're interested, it shows the bigger picture. So the genie shows the genetic detail. It shows that nuance, but the neuroquant really shows the the big picture, the neuroinflammation, how your brain is actually being impacted by these genetic expressions. So like if like my dream surge treatment would be to get the genie and the neuroquant at the start, do the protocol, and then get the genie and the neuroquant at the end. And honestly, if I could redo my SERS treatment, I would probably prioritize that. Even though I had to stage and like pace my treatment with my funds, I 
and I don't think past JC would have said this. She just wanted relief from her symptoms. But like now JC very much wished that she had had these things done. Yeah. And um, and for me, I did the, I think it was the second option that you went over uh, as far as like when it would be useful. I did not get mine at the beginning. I hit a stalling point with my healing and we couldn't really figure out what was causing it. My Marcons uh, was not staying away. It was recolonizing um, in my nose. And so, um, and also of course my leaky gut GI issues have persisted. Uh, lots of other things have healed. Like my, a lot of brain fog, um, concentration, lots of stuff. You can even see it. If you go back to some of the earlier episodes of this podcast, don't do it guys. Don't don't, first of all, don't do it, please. Uh, (laughs) But if you must, uh, you, you can see, um, that my just general cognitive function is much better now than it was a year ago, which is awesome or a little over a year ago. But that said, um, yeah, my GI issues persist. So that is why I spent the money on the genie test and was happy to get that extra info. Um, so I do want to uh, go through, if you're thinking about doing the genie test yourself, um, I do want to go through my experience so that you can see maybe where uh, you can avoid some of the mistakes I made. Um, so I'll, I'll just go through. Basically, you get... If you're watching this on YouTube, you will just, you don't need to see this right now, but I'm holding up the two pages of instructions that you get with the genie test. It's, it's a lot, um, but you, you can just sit down and read it. And it's, it's really, it's just detailed. That's why it's so much, but the main points uh, are you have to order it through your practitioner. So your practitioner should also think it's a good idea that you get a genie and they can explain why or why not for your case. Um, So talk to them first, as always, order it through them. Um, You will need to schedule your blood draw with a lab that either will let you take your blood home with you and Quest and LabCorp generally don't, just to warn you. So you'll probably have to go somewhere different than you're used to. Um, and also, or the other option is if they can handle the whole process for you. And I will tell you what that process is. So uh, when you get your blood drawn, it needs to be before noon on the day that that you're going and you do not need to fast. You will want to get other blood samples drawn first so that no- Sorry, s- question. Yes. Do you have to have this taken on a certain day since you're doing an overnight shipping? Kind of. Okay. Ideally, <laughs> so kind of, so that you will you will want to overnight ship the blood on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday at the latest in the week because you don't want it sitting somewhere over the weekend. Got it. That said, because you are freezing the blood eventually, you can leave it in your freezer. So if you got it done on a Thursday or Friday, you could just leave it in the freezer all weekend and fet- and overnight ship it on Monday. So that's where okay. I personally needed to do it on a Monday or Tuesday um, for myself because of the way that my schedule is later in the week. So, so that's why I had this like quicker turnaround for my own. Got it. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you. you're fine. It's an important question. Um, you do want to uh, have other samples drawn first, but if you have no samples to draw that day and you're just doing the genie, which is what I did, you'll actually want them to take a little bit of blood and put it in basically a throwaway vial. That's to avoid getting any of your skin cells 
in the blood draw. So you get your um, you get your vials and you fill it up. There is a red at, at the time of this recording. There's a red banner at the top, towards the top of the. Uh, oh, I have a picture of it right here. Um, towards the top of the vial, and you want the blood level to be in line with that banner. I say this so importantly because I did not make sure of that. And I had the first time I went to get my blood drawn, it was with someone who was not, did not have attention to detail. And so she did not pay attention to this. And one of them was underfilled. And I had to pay an extra $50 to get new vials sent to me uh, and redo the whole process. So that was really annoying. So just make sure that they get enough blood. They also need to be inverted 10 times immediately. You'll probably see anytime you get blood drawn, the, the person's, that's a pretty typical thing. The phlebotomist has to like flip it around, make sure that it mixes with the liquid that's inside so that it doesn't coagulate. Um, and then you have to store it that way for four hours at room temperature. So if you are having the lab do this for you, you want to make sure that they're open that long so that at the four hour mark, they can then put it in the freezer. If you take it home, then you can do all of this timing yourself. You put it in a freezer overnight. And at that point, you'll want to ship it relatively soon overnight with dry ice to uh, the address that they give you on the form. So that's a lot. And I'm sorry I just dumped that all on you. Uh, but, and it is all in writing when they, they send you the instructions. None of this, none of that was like extra information really other than, Hey, be extra careful. They give you enough blood. That was, that was one issue that I, I found, but, um, but other than that, it's, it is a lot to do. And I'm sad that this test needs that much, <laughs> uh, out of somebody who is suffering with SIRS. I feel like it's overwhelming. Uh, and the one other thing, as far as shipping, with dry ice. First of all, dry ice is found at, I think, most grocery stores. So um, just go in and, and maybe hunt around or you can even look it up online. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to find where dry ice can be, um, is supplied near you. Um, but I just went to my, like a Smith's or a Ralph's or whatever it is in your area, Kroger. Um, they had that. The other thing is there was only one FedEx location in all of Las Vegas area that could handle dry ice because it's considered a hazardous material. So you will want to call ahead and make sure of the location before you overnight ship your package so that you're not driving around all over the place. So that's, um, I don't know, maybe too much information, but hopefully that was helpful to anybody who's considering getting it. I'm not a shipping professional, so don't take this as shipping advice, but <laughs> how would they know if it was dry ice or just like a really cold box? That's a great question. So uh, actually, because I was thinking that myself, I, I when I went to the first FedEx location and they told me, oh, we can't do that. I was like, oh, why did I say it out loud? Why did I do that? But they give you a sticker that you're supposed to put on the outside of the box that identifies it as hazardous material. And oh, so, so then, like when they like reach in the box, they don't burn themselves. Got it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's don't that be a sort dick. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did, I, I, there may be more located, like maybe UPS is better at taking it. Like you can go with any overnight shipping company, um, the postal service, uh, you know, whoever, but um, for at least for FedEx and in the Las Vegas area, there was only one location. It was like kind of their main hub in the city. And that was the only place that could handle it. Okay. So from what I'm hearing, step one is kind of like 
identify where you're shipping it from because you don't want to get through like getting the blood and then don't have anywhere to ship it from. So maybe step one is identifying where you can get it shipped from. And then step two would be actually scheduling the blood work in a way that works with all the specific timings. And then step three, go get the dry ice. Step four, do all the timings and then ship it off. Yep. That's about right. Yeah. You'll want to get the the dry ice um, preferably on the same day that you're shipping it um, or get extra because it does evaporate, if that's the right word. It it goes away uh, over time. You'll want to end up with probably about five to seven pounds of dry ice in your box at the time of shipping. Um, You don't want the box to be over, I think, nine pounds or else it's even more expensive. So that's the like sweet spot that you're looking Mm. for weight wise. But um, but yeah, that that's about what I did. I did end up buying extra um, and I had extra dry ice and then you can just play with it. You can put it in in water and watch it do the little step five, schedule a party. Yeah. (laughs) In which you feature dry ice. (laughs) Dumb question about dry ice. I have no experience with dry ice. Can you freeze it? Like, would that keep it? Um, I think it, so it's stored when, when it's at the grocery store, it's stored in its own special, like chest freezer that they have they probably keep it extra extra cold i'm guessing um to make it last longer yes you i bet you probably can put it in the freezer um but it's not going to be i don't think it's going to be cold and it would it would still disintegrate in some way but yeah room temperature would make it go faster okay good to know good to know well i learned a lot (laughs) okay good (laughs) oh also don't touch it like if you never dealt with dry <laughs> ice, like don't. Said. <laughs> it's one of those We things. are not dry ice experts. This yeah. is just our experience with dry ice. It <laughs> freaking hurts. Don't touch it. Yeah. I um I mean I was I look like the crazy person outside of uh Smith's like just like slamming it down on the curb like trying to make cuz you do want it to like chunk it up so that it like perfectly surrounds the vials inside the the little styrofoam box. But um I actually made a reel on Instagram kind of showing this. So if you want a visual on like what this process looked like, I will link that uh, in the show notes as well. So you can go check that out. But um, it, it was a process, guys. It, it just, it to me, it seemed unfair to make somebody who's suffering with SIRS do all of that. It was a lot. Um, I'm lucky that I'm in a pretty major city that I have, you know, I had places to go and and things that could handle it. Um it will be it will be more difficult if you're in a more rural area it will it just everything gets more difficult unfortunately in that situation when it comes to blood tests so just factor that stuff in think about that you know maybe if if all of that sounds like a lot um you know there are other tests like the neuroquant also gives you a lot of information like we already talked about we did an episode all about the neuroquant and that just involves going to a facility and getting scanned and then so that might still be a drive for you but at least it's not all of this back and forth freezing and room temperature and like all this other stuff that you have to do so um so yeah definitely take your own i don't want to say capabilities but your own and i also don't want to say convenience but something Capacity. in there Capacity. Yeah. Just be, be honest with yourself as to what you want to do and what you can do at this time uh, and factor that into the the choices you make as far as the testing that you do. In the SIRS group, someone posted, um, she's in the like New England area, but she's a phlebotomist, traveling phlebotomist. She comes to your home and she handles all of the pieces of the genie for you. 
So if I lived in New England. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. And that, that was actually someone else said that even in California, they had a phlebotomist that could come to you too. So yeah, that could be a really great um, thing to look into as well. I, I totally forgot about that. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful to you guys uh, considering the genie test to help you decide whether or not that's something you want to ask your pre- practitioner about. Um, we do obviously, as JC already mentioned, share a lot of these tips and tricks in the SIRS group that's over at the SIRSgroup.com. So come join us over there if you want more support with things like this and um, you want to hear more stories of other people's experiences to learn from and avoid their mistakes as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's that's it for today. Uh, we will see you guys next week. See you then. <laughs>